You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the craven tooth comes from the green dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon with Jeremy and David. Greetings. Today we're going to go over a game we played recently. For a given value of recent. Yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, so in like the ages of the Earth recent. Yeah, if you put it on the geological time scale, it's practically no time at all. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, so mere instance ago, we played a Conquest Creations Champions League Season 2 game. That's correct. Uh, this is the second round, so we're... Uh, doing battle for a position in the grand final of season two. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal, this one. And we took our armies that, I don't know, we've been playing with a little bit lately. So I had my Dale army, and I had submitted my list before the Legendary Legion. We also played the game before that, but that's a secret. Uh, so I had a, a pretty much a King Brand, um, the third, I think it is, third, second? Yeah, one of the one of the bars. It's, it's a number. I've got, to, I've got to remember the number. And just a, a sort of Dale Hall at 500. And this is a good number for Dale. So I had a good army. And David, you had? I had my Galadrum Pike army. Basically, I had a lot of pikemen. And I said, can I put these in an army? The answer was yes. Yeah, because I was looking through and I needed some extra pikemen for the, the latest scenarios. Because I've got three painted up. And I'm like, okay, I've got heaps of them. I know I've got a whole bag of them. And I went through my whole bag of them and had only three left in it. Like, wait a second, someone has obtained a whole bunch of metal pikes from me. Was that you, David? I don't think so. I picked up a couple here and there. So mm. unless you were selling them off in like ones and twos, no. it wasn't me. Maybe it was Kylie. I'm not sure. Someone someone obtained like 12 of them or something like that because I had a whole War of the Ring tray of them. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure. We'll have to find where they went and see when they're on the battlefield. But I like this army because your army is something different for Lothlorien. It's not how people normally play it. It's got a pike wall. Well, I looked at the Lothlorien list and they're Rivendell, but with pikes. There's mm. only four pike armies in the game, so to my mind, if an army has pikes, that is a point of difference. That's something you can lean into, and that's something that most armies just can't do. So, yeah, because obvious. The Lothlorien, the main difference is you've got probably a little bit more magic and the resistance to magic, don't you, over the Rivendell, but that's about it. But you have different magic. Mm. So you, you lose the Nature's Wrath, which is big, or yeah, even true. bigger, you lose the Wrath of Brunan, and you're... Bubble auras aren't as reliable, yeah, um, because you don't have Kierden. Yeah, but you potentially you've got uh, Galadriel to do like uh, transfixes, compel stuff. You've got Caliborn to do transfixes. You've got Sentinels. Yes, so you do have access to compel, but that is basically Galadriel's job at that point: blinding yeah. light and compel. Yeah, you know. So it's you're right. There, it is hard to make that different to the Rivendell army, and the Rivendell army works fine, and the Galadriel army works fine. But I see what you're doing with that point of difference. And at 500 points, you have to make some serious sacrifices. So the, the biggest controversial one you had, David, and, and we've got many comments on this, and we're going to get to the comments soon on it, was that you took Caliborn in pyjama form, but with a big shield. So my preferred way of running Caliborn is in his robes, because that model looks amazing, with an elven blade, because it's the best five points you can ever spend. And then at the end of it, I had five points left over, so I gave him a shield. Mm. Um I agree that putting him in heavy armor and shield would make him harder to kill. But there's two points on this. One, the heavy armored model doesn't look as cool. And secondly, in every circumstance where I've had him killed, he would have died even with the heavy armor and shield. So it's never actually been worth me paying the 15 points because the dice have always come up with the sixes when, you know, only fives were needed. And 15 points is is a fair chunk. I, I think it's worth it. But I, I sometimes having a model that's fragile means you're a little bit more careful with it as well. So 
it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world to have it that way because he still hits just as hard as he normally does. And that's really what you want him for, isn't it? To go and carve a hole in... Yeah, my most common uh, Galadrum army has both Caliborn and Galadriel. So they both rock around at the really low defense, but with the mirror. Mm. So I am daring opponents to try and kill them with their low defense. They burn through a pile of fate. They get the pile of fate back. It's just there to sort of tempt the opponent into you know spending might to try and get through their fight six to do damage. Yeah, I sort of wish the blade was on that model because the road model is really cool and it, and we don't see it a lot, do we? We usually see the armored one with of Galadriel with no arm. So I do like that arm you've got. Yeah, so my brother has green stuffed on the hilt of a sword, just sort of poking up out of his robes from back when he was running a Galadriel army. Uh, it's unfortunately covered by the shield, so it's another reason to run in without shields. You can show <laughs> off the, you know, the conversions. I like the shield. The shield's good as well. It gives you another tactical option if you really get in trouble. You can just go shielding and, and win the fight that way if you have to. Yeah. Unfortunately, normally when he's in trouble, it means the opponent's higher fight with a whole pile of dice. Yeah. So, yeah. less yeah, useful. No. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so we played our, our game, and these are 500-point games played on 4x4 four four boards uh, under filming conditions. And before we go into the game, David, I want to just get your opinion on the filming conditions and how that makes the game feel. I think the thing to remember when you're filming to YouTube compared to us giving our battle reports here is you're playing to a different target audience. Mm. So the Green Dragon has the best listeners of any podcast. Allegedly. Yes, they're experts. <laughs> Every one of them. A veteran of a thousand games. Skilled in dice and tape measure. You know, masters of position, resources, and Patreon. Mm -hmm. They are the best. Yep. Uh, YouTube uh, has all sorts of random people who just wander in on the algorithm. Yes, so. true, true, true. Yeah, and we, we are really well known for, for taking people um, to school for breakfast. Yes, particularly dwarves. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So there, there is... No one stumbles upon the green dragon. Well, there was one guy, but but other than that one person, no one stumbles on the green dragon as their first listening and their first introduction to the game. They they know a little bit about it and they've heard about it and they've reached out and they've got some understanding of it. Whereas YouTube, you get total strangers, and a lot of the comments we get on some of the the bigger battle reports is just like, "What is this game?" and "This looks cool," and "Oh, I used to play this twenty years ago," and this sort of stuff where people have not been in the loop. So you have to you have to do a lowest common denominator type response, don't you? And a lot of our tactics that we've developed just playing against the same people over and over again. You can't just constantly try different armies because you run out of things to paint and time mm. to paint it in. So you develop your psychological warfare. You try and talk your opponent into doing different things. And you can't really do that on a video because people will look at it and go, well, that makes no sense whatsoever. So Jacob has to go through and cut most of our commentary out because it just makes no sense once you look at it you know, in terms of the game. I have noticed that a lot of my goading gets cut out. Occasionally a comment stays in, but most of it doesn't. Because I'm, I don't know if you've responded to that, David. I, I talk the whole way through a game and the aim is to just put the opponent off no matter what. Agreed. Because you've got to talk enough to gain the opponent's confidence. You ask them if they're calling heroic moves, things like that. So yeah. they come to rely on you and they come to trust <laughs> you as the, you know, the center in the game. And so later on, if you don't mention heroic moves, then they might not think about it. Stuff like that. No, I, no, no, no. That's just entirely mean. That's not what I do. I do it to be as friendly as possible. Uh, and there's no ulterior motive there. We're going we're gonna to have that person to complain that we're using like psychological warfare on people. Yeah, I did get thrown out for a couple of years. Uh, I, it was alleged that my aggressive use of psychological warfare was in fact cheating. Oh, yeah. um, hmm. Luckily, our other host managed to stumble into enough controversy that they brought me back in. Um, 
I think the only cheating that you really do is that that dice power up move you do, where you just you just knock it off the table a few times, and then it becomes a six. Yes, let you if if the dice is cocked, you can re-roll it. If it's cocked again, you can re-roll it again. It's the only situation where you can re-roll a re-roll, and that mm. is power. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that that I just can't get over that. That's just ridiculous power. So we played. What was the scenario we ended up playing? We we chose. We had three. We capture the flag. I think it's called retrieval. Mm. It's when there's an objective over the other side of the board. You got to get over there, grab it, get back again. <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? Yes. I think I've only once seen it happen, and it's got to be such a landslide because you've got to fight your way through the enemy army to get to their objective. So then to get all the way back again, it, it feels like there's just some points there you can't get because the game will end. The only time I've done it is with um, flying things. So Gundabad Warbats I did it with, and they've have been able to jump over the lines and count as infantry and move 12 inches really helps that. Yes, that would help. Um, I did it once with an orc drummer because I was facing an army that was really elite and it decided to rush me. And yep. it, and so the drummer just went by himself, crossed the board, grabbed the thing, crossed back again. But it's hard to pull. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't mind that though because it's it keeps the game pretty close and it's not like once you get the objective, you just run off the board and you never come back. To, to get the maximum points, you need to put it back in danger, which is interesting from a tournament point of view as well. Yeah, it, it, it is good fun. I just think it is a bit of a tease, the get back again points. Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah, they're just so far out of reach. It's got to be called there and back again. Come on, why is it called retrieval? Let's go, let's go full, full Tolkien, full Hobbit mode. But it's interesting because it's it's one of these formats of scenarios where you've got simultaneous defense and attack. And I kind of like these versions of scenarios because they give you a lot of choice throughout. Agreed. It's one of the better scenarios hmm. up there with domination and fog of war. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind it at all. So I was happy to play it. I don't know. I can't even remember what the other scenarios we we discarded, but. There was... I can't remember what you got rid of. I got rid of Destroy the Suppliers because you had vastly superior numbers. Mm. So I didn't want to attack and defend six points simultaneously. I figured two was more manageable. Yep. Oh, that's good. So they're both pretty similar scenarios, but one is multiple points and one is a single point. That makes a lot of sense because your army um, works better if it's focused in a single point. Yes. So in my first round, my opponent obliged me and poured their entire force into a single choke point, um, which was quite obliging of them. But... Mm. I wasn't as confident that you'd be willing to do that. So. No, 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 no. No, because we played each other uh, for a long time. And one thing we know is whatever the opponent wants to do, that's the number one rule. Don't do it. Yeah, I think when we get on to our tactics, this is the main thing that's hard to convey in a video. Because people will ask, why didn't you try this? And the reason is because we've played against each other, other enough. I know if I make move X, you will counter mm. with counter Y. So I know if I deploy my army right forwards in that choke point, you'll deploy back from that choke point, use your shooting to bring me through. Once I'm through the choke point, you can then surround me at your leisure, keep me contained, go get the objective. Duck a couple of swords in around the side and yeah, absolutely. And then bait off your cav. So against a random opponent, I would have tried that anyway, relying on psychological warfare mm. to try and bring the opponent forwards into the choke point. But I know that you know what I'm trying to do. So you are going to not do that. <laughs> Yeah, interesting, interesting. So should we say the results? Yeah, let's say the results. So this is spoilers. Spoilers, we already know we've played the game. If you're still listening now, clearly you're not that interested in the video because you should have paused it right at the start and said, I want to watch this video. These are two of my favorite commentators playing in face-to-face -face in person just a short time ago. Have they, have they gone and watched the video yet? I think so. I think so. I think we're pretty safe. If not, too bad. Okay, so I managed to get one victory point because I killed a great many warriors of Dale. Mm -hmm. And I got greater than one victory point because I managed to pick up the objective, kill some warriors, and I wounded Calborn or killed him? You killed him out. Killed him. Mm. 
Mm. He was very dead by the end of it. Yeah, but he was also very threatening, so I had to do that. Agreed. So, I guess for those who uh, only listen to the video because their uh, um, computer monitor was broken, mm. uh, we've got two large buildings uh, in the centre of the battlefield with this nice choke point between them. I'm on one side with my objective. Jeremy's on the other side of the board with his objective. And this comes down to the controversial part. In a mission where there's two main objectives, I decided to split my army mm. to use half to guard one objective and use half to threaten the other. Mm. See, that was a big mistake, David, because what I did was I slowly advanced up the middle, mm-hmm. not deciding what to do, and then thought, David's not coming at me. I need to do something. So I sort of abandoned my objective. I made it look quite weak. Tried to put the heroes as both a leading point, um, even though one of them was going to head back and defend the objective, it had to. But I put them so that they were threatening. And because I had the number advantage, if it came down to just us uh, meeting in the middle, I was very confident I could have snuck a couple of guys around and picked up the objective. So I would have been happy to meet in the middle and have a fight. Agreed. So that's why the bulk of my forces, you came through the choke point in the middle. I swung Caliborn and some of his guys behind one of those buildings. I couldn't push round the building because mm. I knew you could get back to the objective before I could get there, uh, while Haldir and his guys sat right on my objective so that you couldn't sneak a couple of guys through and get it. Yeah, and Haldir's got the shooting, so you, you constantly threaten me at that point. You did have an active sentinel, which does work, so that's always nice when you've got buildings because you just duck a guy around the corner and attack them and, mm-hmm. and move things away. And you had cavalry and a Caliborn of Transfix. So if I didn't defend with enough models, you've got the power to go and break through heroic combats, cavalry slingshots, pick up the objective. You've got some stuff to do. Yeah, so my plan at this point was I needed to get a turn ahead of you so I could get back to that objective first. And as far as I could see, there was two ways I could achieve that. Either I could lose priority, which means you would move and then I'd get a whole turn to start moving, Mm. or... I could manage to get a sentinel pull off, pull one of your guys in a heroic combat off him. Yep. In either case, I figured that would give me a turn. That would mean we'd be arriving at your objective at roughly the same time and I'd be in with a chance. So that's what I was waiting for, camped behind a building. Uh, the video editing sort of uh, seemed to show that that didn't take as long as it did. But I was behind that building for a while. There was that, that middle face-off. There was multiple... I don't know if it's multiple turns, but it felt like a while because I, I ran forward and then stopped... And was waiting for you to make a move because I didn't want to commit because if I if I overcommitted past that halfway point, at that point I would have had to commit my defenders as a as a finite number. Like that was the amount of defenders I had because the others wouldn't have made it back. And I didn't want to do that. So I kept them just far enough away that I was like mm. two and a half turns away from the objective, just enough. And I was trying to bait you towards that objective, and you just wouldn't take the bait. No, so from my side again. If I commit first, you've got the numbers. You can sort out exactly how many guys you need to send where, and you'll overwhelm me everywhere. If you commit first, I can accept one group of my guys to be smaller. They'll lose eventually, but they can shield and die slowly while I stack the numbers onto my other half. But I need you to commit first to do that. So that's why I was just sitting there waiting until either I lost a priority, because as soon as I lost a priority, I was going to go, or my Sentinel managed to pull a guy. Neither of those happened for a good four or five turns. No, and then nothing was happening with shooting from either side for a long Mm -hmm. time. And then I had like one golden turn where I killed quite a few models, and it just broke it open because I was just emboldened at that point. Because it just thought, yep, mask off, I'm going to run forward. And that, that sort of kicked the game into action. Yes, so I knew that your shooting would probably get the edge, I would have happily spent all three might points with Haldir just to kill three of your archers, just to buy me more turns for you to, to force you to make the move first. 
Uh, in the end, though, you actually baited me forwards. Uh, you sent some of your guys who were close to the objective slightly further from the objective. Can you talk us through this? <laughs> closer to the objective, slightly further from no, the objective? No, they went further from your objective and closer to mine. Yeah, I um, there was a woods there, and I know that elves like woods, so I thought, you know what, I'll take this woods. And I put a bunch of, um, I think it was my, my sword and shield guys, because they're essentially my objective grabbers, because they're not worried about spear supporting, they're not worried about shooting, they can move at full speed and be operational. So they ran through the forest, and there was at one point in time I thought, you know what, if I can engage those elves, at least they're not shooting at me. If I can whittle a few down, then I can just go and, and jump on the objective. So I, I kind of had this spearhead, but going through the slowest terrain. Yes. Um, in the hope that you would see the forest and go, I can't give up that forest. I need it. I'm going to jump into that forest. And then I just surround the forest. And, and who cares if you can move fast through a forest mm-hmm. if it's surrounded? I was, I was actually picturing the other side. But yes, uh, there was your attacking guys that went through a forest. I had one cav on that yeah. side who was trying to get down that flank. But if he moves first, you could then move to be within six inches of him and then it's a roll-off to whether or not mm. he gets past. So I needed to lose priority. On the turn I lose priority, that cavalryman gets past you. He's, he's round behind you yep. causing trouble. But I couldn't lose a priority to save my life. I was thinking over behind one of the big buildings because mm. I had Caliborn and his guys oh, hoping yeah, yeah. again to lose a priority or hoping again to get a compel off with the sentinel. Yep. Um, but then the guys who were matching them on the other side of the building just wandered off for a turn. Yes, I, I did, because you weren't moving, mm-hmm. and I didn't think you were going to, so I wanted to hurry up. So I, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to make it look like I was abandoning that, but mm-hmm. I kept my, um, my King Brand closest, like he was at the back, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty standard place to be, because he's giving up victory points. So you keep him at the back, so he can't get shot at as easily, and, and he's like a rear guard. And I kept him there, and I wanted to make it look like I was going to abandon that objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that worked from my side. I don't know. I'll be interested to hear your comments. I thought it worked reasonably well because I actually think it was a risky bait in that I don't, I, I got one of the heroic moves off somewhere that I needed mm-hmm. to grab it back. Cause I took a bit of a risk there because I thought otherwise we're going to get a stalemate and I needed to something to happen. Yes. So from my point of view, I thought I was the underdog just based on the numbers. So when I saw you trying to bait me forward, I measured it out and I realized you had given me, an actual bait. You'd given mm. me a chance to get back in the game because if I pushed forwards and if I won the 50-50 roll-off, I would be on that objective. Mm. So I'm like, this is Jeremy's one weakness. He's, he's he's a wizard at the game. Every now and then he wants to make these big flourishes and show <laughs> off his power. So I'm like, yes, he's offered me actual bait. This is a chance to get back in the game. I pushed forward. I went for the 50-50. Uh, unfortunately, we got caught and we stalled. Yep. And look, it, it was... My thought of these battle reports and for all of them is that you've got to make it look interesting as well. And there's... Because sometimes you can play a game and you can just stay it out. And I did not want to play a shooting war between the two of us for 20 turns. And then when someone was broken, go run an objective or just abandon it and just get the points for that. I wanted to wanted to be a little bit more dynamic. And I do offer real bait. That's one of my tactics. And it does it does fall back and, and bite me sometimes. Um, I was confident that I was going to get your objective at that point because I had superior numbers there. So I thought if worse comes to worse, we've both got an objective. But you also had Caliborn over that side. So I thought if I can bog Caliborn down, I can at least then have a lot of points in one area with not a lot of support. Because you only had a handful of troops you were going there. And I had enough that I could have brought back to defend that I thought in a couple turns I would be able to overwhelm if you didn't escape out quickly. Yeah, so... This is where I had sort of my banner and a third force halfway between Caliborn and halfway between my objective. Mm. Because again, 
if I commit everything, then you're free to commit everything. Yes. So while they stood there, your main attacking force stopped to shoot back at them. So think about it in Star Wars when they go for a trench run. There's those guys on defense which are just sitting there soaking up shots with their own ships because while they're there getting shot at, the important guy's not getting shot at. Mm. So I had my banner and a couple of pikemen just standing there copying arrows to the face because that kept that whole archer block stopped shooting yep. at them which brought more time for Caliborn to get lucky. Because once you'd caught Caliborn, my big push around the side had stalled on that 50-50. I'm like, I need turns because he needs to get lucky and the getting lucky takes turns. Yes. Yeah, you've got to give it time to, to get the luck, don't you? Because eventually you'll probably get it, but yes. maybe it's too late. Or But yeah, give yourself more time as a solid strategy there. I totally understood that. I had no problem with your placement there because while it was in the middle, I didn't know which force it was with. And so I had to assume both mm-hmm. forces had it, which is problematic for me because I would have happily taken on Caliborn in that flank without a banner and some pikes. But with them, it's not as a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. I have to commit a fair bit more. And same with the main objective. If I go all out on it, having a pike coming through and helping out Heldia, I don't know. I can lose a lot of guys pretty quickly as well. And this is where it comes down to baiting traps with real bait. Mm. My general... Um, rule of thumb is never bait a trap with real bait. It's a good way to lose your bait. Uh, in this case, though, we've played against each other enough that we can kind of tell when the bait's not real. Yeah, so I'm like, I've just... got to actually give you something to shoot at, Correct. in this case, the banner. And I think I said it. I think I got edited out, but I think I said at the time, I know this is bait, but it's too good. I'm taking it. <laughs> yes. This comes down to I'm less worried about making it an interesting video because I figure Jacob's gotten pretty skilled at that I'm by this too... point. So he can make a video interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. No, look, I... I think there there is some challenges and and you're an opponent that that I find hard to beat because you're not as predictable as some of the others that I do because I feel like a lot of the others play tactics that that potentially I've taught them or other people have taught them and it's very predictable whereas you think some things on the fly and try some different things so I genuinely didn't know where that banner and pike were going to go whereas I think for a lot of players I would have just known you're just being silly. Like, that's fake. So I had to take that opportunity. And I got so lucky, didn't I? I killed, like, all the guys that you did reserve. And that was... It looked looked more impressive than it probably actually was. Like, so the dice just helped me out in that turn. But I also got that heroic move to, to bring down Caliborn. And that was that was pretty much the game at that point, wasn't it? Both those things put together. Yeah, because that stalled my attack. Mm. Um, from that point, I did make a mistake defending my objective. I had my guys in the slightly wrong positions. You were able to slot through a yes. turn earlier to pick up the thing. Um, but you had the numbers, even if I'd had those guys in the right spot, I would have had to have got crazy lucky yeah. to defend that objective. I did have a cav. I finally lost a priority, so we managed to get round into your back line. You were slowly picking off your defenders, but once Caliborn went down, you had plenty of defenders. Yeah. Uh, my only chance at that point would have been if the game had gone for an infinite game length and you had failed some courage tests. Yep. But I'd already burnt through all of uh, Heldia's will trying to pass courage <laughs> tests, so I'm not sure an infinite game would have benefited me. No, uh, I only had to have the one to pass. I only have, well, no, I didn't have the no, bodyguard. No, because both of your heroes were together yeah, and you didn't have the bodyguard at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've in the last couple of weeks, I've been failing a lot of courage tests yeah. with Gladrum guards, so I'm not sure any of those would hang oh, yeah, around I, either. I tend to fail them as well. I guess you remember failing them, but it does happen a bit. And like I had that one Conquest uh, Champions game that went on forever afterwards and I almost lost because it did. It's such a rare occurrence that I almost sort of ignore that and just go, in the back of my mind, what's going to happen if it goes for a long time? Mm-hmm. Will I still be in a strong yep. position? And if I'm not, you know what, who cares? The chance of that happening is so low, I'll deal with it when we get to it. Yeah, I always like to have have it as an option in the back of my mind because 
in that situation, I think that's all I had to play for. Mm. It's like if we get enough turns, yeah. we can we can swing this back. Uh, unfortunately, we did not. Yeah, and then, look, that's what you do when that. Mm-hmm. That's where the good thing about that random game length is, isn't it? Where you can potentially have mm-hmm. you play past that break, and that's that's dynamic as well because you get that two turns where everyone just disappears and there's four models left each yeah. side. It does get the criticism sometimes that's not representative of the game, but you both know going into the game that that is an option. Yeah. So if you play in a way that doesn't consider it, I think that is a genuine risk. But you also play in a way where you need to get the objectives fast. Yes. Because you want to put points on the board and then hold them. And yes. that's, that's a tricky dynamic because oftentimes mm-hmm. you can get points early, but then you throw away your force getting it and then you're not going to survive late game. So I really like that as a bit of a balancing factor. Yeah, it does work out well. Mm, mm. Now, David, I... I'm a big fan of YouTube comments. I love them. They're <laughs> hilarious. I, I love the interaction. And I also like to hear people's different opinions on it. And it's funny because some of them are, are spot on what I think. And some of the others are just so far off what I'm thinking that it's, it's, it, like, it's almost comical to me. But it shouldn't be because everyone's got their own perspective. So if I giggle at them, it's not because I think that person's laughable. Or maybe I do. But it's more likely that it's just it's totally different to the way I interpret it. Look, let's assume that they're deliberately, you know, creating jokes for, for the betterment of the internet. Yeah. And therefore, we can laugh at them, you know, guilt-free because yeah. that was the intention. Yeah, no, that, that's it. We're on the internet, so we're happy to have comments. Like, it's all fine. Uh, so I'm just going to read... There's only... There's only... Well, only... There's 35, so I'm actually going to read through them because they're, they're... I think they're interesting overall and it's, it's good to hear the feedback. And, and sometimes people put comments on and no one ever reads them. Like, let's face it, you put a comment on, it's just for the algorithm to make people... Go and look at them. So let's actually go through and see what it is. Uh, Ryan says, as soon as Lothlorians split their army up, I had a feeling this wasn't going to end well. David? Um, given that I split up the army because I had a feeling it wasn't going to end well, I would agree with that comment. <laughs> that, yeah, we, we were outnumbered. We had to try yeah. something risky. So, yes, it was, it was not a high likelihood probability of success. But I would like to hear what the alternative was. Hmm. And it says, and he didn't choose to spo- destroy the supplies in order to not split up. Uh, and it's, that's clearly a laughing emoji as well. So, yes. Well, that's the thing. If I'd gone destroy the supplies, I would have had to have split into six groups, which I think is even <laughs> more groups than yeah, two true. groups. Yep. And then, then the original poster responds, Ryan, uh, the scenario options definitely didn't especially favor Lothorian. Kind of a tough choice either way. That's fair. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that one. And then a response to this one, which seems totally out of context, is both armies are sick, amazing paint job. Since I started watching you, I started to use a veto system with my friends. They like it too. It makes the game more balanced. Cheers from Italy. And that's from Davide. Yeah, I would agree that the veto system is fun. It does give bonuses to some armies if they're very strong in most missions, but would be balanced by having one or two they can't play. So I won't say it's superior in every instance, but by all means, give it a shot. It, it's some fun. I think it encourages balanced armies more so, would, in my opinion. I would disagree oh, because the off-center, but sort of balanced, but sort of leaning into something gotcha. does better than a, than a perfectly balanced army because yep. you don't have to contest every mission. So you're thinking like, okay, I don't necessarily need to have a leader that's going to do Contest of Champions because I'll just veto it every time. Correct. Yep. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, no, I, I guess so. I think vetoing sometimes is good because it makes some armies better. Mm. Not vetoing sometimes is good because makes other armies better, and the more variety you can get, the better it'll be. So, you know what I like about it more than anything, it adds strategy to the actual mission, which feels a little bit like the army choices. Because a lot of times you go, "Why would my army ever do this mission? Why would they ever go and do this? Like, it's not worth it." Yeah, 
Um, agreed. It, it does. It does add more strategy, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I I like it, and I don't think I'll play it forever. Like I, I think I would happily. I'm still a big fan of the the tournament that's six rounds of domination. Like that would be my ideal one. Yes. We did try that one time. It was good fun. Yeah, no, I, I love it. That, that mission is just perfect. Anyway, um, Alistair says the purple on those Dale models look incredible. I'd love to know the color scheme behind it. Uh, purple. <laughs> it's a, I, I mixed some purple with some reds and, and highlighted up for it. It's um it's based on my old... Um, I used the purple, which was kind of silly. I used it for my uh, Dale Militia early on, but I also had these... Warriors of Dale, I did those early on as well. I can't remember why I chose purple, but in hindsight, I've got all these peasants who are, who are elite peasants, clearly, yes, wearing yes. purple, and I'm just thinking, wait a second, that dye is actually pretty hard to get. Um, yes, royal purple <laughs> is, it's royal purple for a reason, it costs money. So I'm glad people like it, because I'm feeling a little bit guilty about it, but for the Dale, it kind of looks okay, because they do feel like they're a royal guard, they're with the king, so I can sort of understand that. Yeah, if you're leaning into the city of trade and they're right next to the Lonely Mountain yeah. that has lots of gold. Well. It's definitely looking an affluent army, yeah, with the, the purples in there. So that's, um, honestly, I just usually choose colours that I haven't got an army in that colour where possible. So I'm like, I haven't done a purple army for a while, I'll do that. And then I got my Dale Militia because I wanted them all to mix in together and halfway through painting them realised... What am I doing? Why is this guy that looks like he can't even feed himself wearing royal purple? He just sell that clothes. So this is the Lake Town militia allied into a Dale army, or it's they... um it's because I had all my Dale. So my um these ones, the Warriors of Dale, the Lake Town militia, and the Lake Town guard. Okay, all yes. having that purple to tie them in. Okay, and then it just sort of because I had um like some of them were wearing bits of the armor from the old eras and things yes. like that. So I wanted to tie them all together that way. Okay, uh. Kaz says, I always enjoy uh, the editing on your battle reps. This is more for Jacob, I think. Wish you could post more. The terrain and models always look great. That's my terrain and, and our models look great. I think they do this time. And you have lots of great players to show up. Um, I feel like the Lothlorien army was too elite. This army really needed some sword and shield frontline, if only for the one plus to wound when backed up by the pikes. Now, some of that... Like the first part, obviously, I agree. Amazing armies, and I, I love the uh, the positive comment and then the negative one. That that's cool. Yes, that's, yes. It's a well designed comment. I love it. So, so let me clarify this, David, because you're the Lothlorien expert here. The one plus the wound is because the Elven blades, isn't it? It would have to be the two handed weapons. So, when you have shield guys with an Elven blade, you can choose to use either, can't you? Yes, because they have hand and a half um, Elven blades. Yep. So they can go two handed, as can the archers. But you don't get the shield bonus when you do that, do you? Uh, or do you? As I don't run two-handed weapon shieldmen, I haven't actually oh, checked. Oh, okay, interesting. It's something we'll have to look up for that one. But anyway, um, don't you have... Yeah, because you've got that on your archers, don't you? And Yeah, so all of my archers have, as default, the hand-and-a-half swords. Yeah. They can go two-handed, and they do so quite frequently. Yep. The reason why I don't use the sword and shield guys is I don't own any. My army <laughs> I've had for long enough that that was not an option. Yeah, yeah, the old old metal design ones. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And you do go two-handed a lot. Like right, When I've seen you play, it's pretty much your go-to is is two-handed fainting on the front guy and two pikes. Yes, it's the complaint that elves can't wound anything because they're only strength three. Go mm. two-handed and they become strength five. Problem solved. Yeah, which is not officially true. But yeah, it's it's effectively that's better in some It's cases. better if, yeah. if you get the six by fours and it becomes yeah, fives by threes. It's yeah. better at the high end. No, so I don't disagree with this comment. Um, Two elite, 500 points is really tough, isn't it? Because you don't have a lot other than your pike wall. Yes, so it is really hard to get a Gladron pike wall to function at 500, mm. but it was the army I wanted to take, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll cop that criticism. It's it's not a great place to run a Galadrim Pike Wall. And against 
a somewhat haughty human army. Like, I think that's where it shows up as well. Like, if I went for a, a standard size as well, I think it probably wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah, if I'd come up against Goblin Town or something like that, it would have been a massacre. Yeah, absolutely. But if I'd come up against someone who'd paid points for Fight 5, it would have been glorious. Mm. Mm. Next one from uh, 2411TD. I don't know what it stands for, but it sounds like a, sounds like a real name. The more I play... Uh, Middle-earth strategy battle game, the more I think whether, when, and how to split your army is the most difficult decision in the game. Could David have been more patient here? I know I wouldn't have been. So, agreed. Splitting your army is always, always a bad thing because it's Mm. diluting your force, it's allowing the opponent to defeat you in detail. You will only split it when you have to um, (laughs) because not splitting it will lose you the game. As for patience, I think he's talking about me coming out from behind that building. I think so, yeah. And that was just me going, Jeremy's offered me a real opportunity here as bait. If I take it and get lucky, that puts me back in the game. Yeah, because you you normally are patient, so I had to to get you out that way. So, you know, absolutely that one. I agree that it is the most difficult decision, but I actually take it from another way. I often split up wherever I can at the start, and it's not as easy to do that now with the warbands. But what I, my, my main tactic used to be just throw things randomly across. And the idea is that they all will meet at a certain point. So I'll just time it so they all hit the point at the same time. But it looks like they're split up. And yeah. that's, I'm a big fan of that because people don't know where the attack is. Yeah, the old Cole protocol. If things scatter to the winds and the opponent tries to chase them to the winds, that's advantage you because you, yeah. you know where you're planning to re, um, regroup. And I know where they are, whereas they don't know where I am because I'm all over the place. So it's... Yeah, so I think splitting is the game, really, because... You rarely win just by death ball in the whole game. Um, and if you do, it's usually because the opponent has, has let you as well. Like, the, usually you need to do something. At some point in time, you have to split off some amount of your force to do something else. My opinion on this is the rigid formations, are, the reason why they look great and they look historical is because they work better. Um, just the efficiency, the optimization yeah. is there in a rigid formation. So if your formation doesn't look like that, you have to have a reason why. Because if you've just spread out because you don't think rigid formations look cool, then you're costing yourself that efficiency. So I'd only break a formation if I have a reason to do so, Mm. which in this case was, well, there's two objectives in different directions and I need to contend with both. Yeah, and oftentimes those formations break naturally when you get to like lots of terrain. Yes. So I, I love playing around terrain. That's my number one thing. And rigid formations rarely work because the terrain makes you turn you into a skirmish force. I disagree. I think uh, terrain is actually a key part of a rigid mm. formation because you need something to cover your flanks if you're not in a skirmish formation. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Oh, okay, interesting. Our comments are going, going either way here. Um, I'd love to see another Eastling game. Too bad. They lost. David beat them. David, your fault. Yeah, we could we could have a season three and we could invite <laughs> more Eastlings. Maybe we'll take Eastlings for season three. That'd be cool. I've got some on the painting table. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to dig some out of somewhere. You've got some Eastlings, don't you? Not enough. It'll have to be a real hero heavy Eastling army. Maybe just go a generic human one and just say they're from the East. Yeah, I could run my Dolamroth Pikes as Eastling Pikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm um, sure there's lots of The shields are optional, aren't they? Fair for... Eastlings. No. Ah, never no, mind then. Oh, no, they are. Okay, I'll, I'll get, run my Dol Amroth as Eastlings. Not a problem. It might be a swap one. I'm, I have to look it up because it's... No, I think, I think you purchased them you can take the Because bu- you can take the archers without shields. You can take shields, the archers so. without shields, yeah. Yeah, I'll run my Dol Amroth as Eastlings. We'll have an entire Eastling um, yeah. season three. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, great battle. This is Smooth Brush. Also a real name. Oh, it has a little uh, Hobbits as a the little uh, 
thumbnail as well. That's cool. Great battle, fantastic painted armies. The Dale are magnificent. And then there's some little emojis that, that are like saying they're magnificent as well in their form of hand gestures. The gray on the bases coincide with the gray on the minis uh, interconnect very nice. Uh, I just put blocks on bases. <laughs> is it saying that the like the board matches your bases or is it uh, saying the bases match the minis? Or I think... On the bases, I've got on on my Dale models. I've got a lot of rocks on them in the open areas, and I do have a lot of grey on the models. So um, I tend to put more colours on the bases. So you could probably match a colour on the base to any of my armies because I try to go as many colours as possible because I think it looks good. I know some people think the other way around that, but no. For me, more colours are better. I definitely put rocks on. I didn't try to match them as such. It's just coincidence, I think, as much as anything. But I'll take credit for it. It was an amazing coincidence. Okay, here is. Uh, Bar for life, bar for life in, in capital second time. So yeah, I like that. It's very, very poetic. It's got a, just a very comment that I think you said something about uh, the horse will have to dismount and they correct that um, you have you have expert rider. So just pick it up. Yes. Every um, every objective interacts differently across the scenarios. Yeah, so some you got to dig up on a four plus, yep. some you have to be infantry, some are yep. just light objects. So your cavalry can pick them up. I check when I get there. Um, and I try to be deliberately vague about it until I get there on the off chance that the opponent also hasn't checked and we'll figure it out later. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, BJ, nice editing and even nicer paint jobs. Nice and simple. No argument there. Uh, Babis, best painted Dale Army. Love your content. Nice. Lots of people like my Dale Army, which is good. They are a pretty, pretty nifty looking Dale Army. They do look pretty cool. Yeah, I do like them. Um, awesome. Loved it. Okay, so this is the good one. Judge, Judy, um, and Executioner says... Uh, Zeno's dichotomy, everything becomes impossible where you divide it up into infinite fractions because it's impossible to complete infinite tasks. Zeno was wrong, or we wouldn't be able to walk one meter, but his logic stands in Middle-Earth strategy battle game. Don't divide your superior fighting force into a bunch of little chunks that can be picked off at leisure. Don't stand your banner in the middle of nowhere exposed to enemy shooting and away from combats, where it will be doing huge work on shielding fight five and fight six elves. And don't forget your cav have expert rider. So this, uh, do you want to respond first, David? So, yes, this is a game of infinite variation. The movement system is fractal. Um, there is an infinite ways you can move each of your models. Um, so, yes, if you try and sit there analysing every move, agreed, it's impossible. But um, it's dividing up into infinite fractions. Yes, that's a thing you could do if you felt like it. No, you couldn't. You couldn't divide your force up into infinite fractions. That that causes problems in itself. No, but the movement of your models. Yeah. There's, there's, you could send them anywhere. I think we, we've gone through a fair bit why you do that. Like, and this is pretty mm-hmm. solid advice overall, isn't it? Like, yes. It's not, it's not bad advice. And, but it, I think this person doesn't realize that you're actually quite experienced with it. So yes. you've done it for a reason. It doesn't show up on the video as much as anything. Yeah, that is the tricky thing with the video. You've got like this strange isometric view. Um, they've had to cut it down to fit it into a reasonable period of time. Yeah. So it's just hard to get that context. Now, this one, it's, it's also got a response. I, I said, and this is, people can find out what my name is on this one, because I said, uh, got to get the opposite objective while defending your own. Some have to split up at some point. So I was just baiting this one, because you know when someone goes and writes that much of a comment on YouTube, that they, they, want, they want the discussion. So I provided it there with a very short, sharp one. And I, like, I stand by that as well. I think in this scenario, there has to be at least some sort of, you can't just abandon one entirely. Because yes. even though your army was staying together, you were staying far enough back with enough of it that you could split at that moment's notice. So even though it looked like your army was together, it was functioning as a split army. Yeah. So this is this is a very big response for it. So I'm going to go through it, David, and you're going to respond to it. Okay, I haven't so actually I'm, I'm, seen this one yet. So. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go, oh, good, good, good. Okay, so this is a response to me personally. Then don't defend your own. 
In this format, loser goes home, winner plays on. So a win by one point is as good as a win by ten. Lothlorien have Cav and Woodland Creature, Dale don't, so it's likely Lothlorien can move the enemy objective much faster and therefore further, thereby getting more points. Also, Dale have a squishy general easy to get points off. One fate, fight five versus a fight five six army. And Lothlorien can and should have played in such a way where the aim was to walk down the Dale, stay tight, use that banner and that fight value to the fullest and break Dale with your cavalry breaking off into the forest to grab the objective when the opportunity presents itself. If both sides manage to retrieve the enemy's objective, but you elves have outfought the Dale, you win. If both sides manage to retrieve the objective, but you've killed or wounded Bran, you win. If both sides break, no one wounds a general, but between the fact that you have Cav that moves full speed through forests and don't dismount to grab the objective, and Caliborn can immobilize the Dale model with the objective, you can leverage those into moving your objective off the board or onto your own half, you win. Okay. I think the Lothlorien player was thinking too much and ended up getting way too cute and gave up all the advantages he had. Okay, I can see where this person's going. Mm. If we both get to the objectives at the same turn... I will get mine off the board before you do. Well, you don't go army... off the board, is it? It's back to the middle, isn't it? No, it's... To get five points, you've got to get it back across the middle line. Yep. To get the seven, you've got to get it off your own board edge. So, that's the get the objective, get back with it, and then get gotcha, further back gotcha. with yeah, it. Gotcha, yeah, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that. The problem is, this is based on the assumption that we both get to the opposing objective on the same turn. Mm. If... I am attacking with everything, which is definitely an option against yeah. a lot of players. I would have done that. Yeah, gotcha. But against you, I'm confident you would not have let my army no. get to the objective at the same time as your guy walking against an unopposed objective. Correct. Uh, you would have had your superior numbers stacked up around that, so there's no chance I could have slipped a random cavalry model through. Um, I blame Games Workshop for this. Um, in all their old battle reports, they would have objectives guarded by like 30 orcs, and then, oh no, the... The, the Knight of Gondor managed to get past the orcs and grab the objective while no one was looking. Yep. Uh, it's like, no, there's no way he can get through unless you're deliberately leaving a gap for him for yep. scenario reasons. Yeah, I actually I didn't respond to this one because it's it's hard to convey it because these are all solid <laughs> tactics. Yes. But um, I, I, I never agree with abandoning the objective. I think you need even just a single model to just slow it down because you need to get to the objective before the other person does. It's no good getting the same yes. time. Like that's that's just not on. You can't you can't give them the objective because if you give them the objective, suddenly your job becomes harder. Because then if they just turn around and defend, like I would be in so much trouble if I abandon my objective, let your cab have it. Yes. Then what am I going to do? I've lost that, so I have yes. to defend that objective. And that's where that bait that I did was was so dynamic because it gave you an opportunity to go get it, which probably would have got you the game if it all went well. Yes. So against a lot of opponents, I'd be confident that I could get mm. the leader kill given the weapons I had, given the board. <laughs> Against you, I know you're smart enough not to put your victory point hero in the front rank Correct. against two-handed weapons with fight six pikes behind them. Yep. You're just you're going to sit him in the second, third, maybe even fourth rank because you've got no reason to risk your victory points. Yep. The same thing goes with your objective. You're just not. I'm going to have to wipe you out before I get to that thing if I attack with everybody because yep. you'll defend it, it with everything except yep. that maybe three guys that have gone around. And then because I had the superior numbers, yeah, I could have just had that little handful of guys go around and you have to you have to acknowledge that. You have to defend them. And then do you defend it with your cab, which is your best hitter? Or do you defend it with shooters or something? It's it's. It, I don't think it's that simple in this case. And I think because we both played each other so long, like some of those options aren't as binary as they, they sound in that one. 
Yes, because as I said, on a lot of opponents, I would attack hard with everything. I would try and talk them off the objective by talking up my two-handed weapons, by, by talking about different points of terrain. But I know that you know the mission well enough that you'd look at it and go, no, the victory points are here. This is where I make my stand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we've got another one. This one's got seven replies, so this is going to be a good one as well. I like those comments. That was actually really cool. And mm-hmm. and look, none of it's wrong. I think the, the Xeno's dichotomy that, that uh, giving that sort of <laughs> made a sound, I don't think he needed that. Like it's, yes. But it's this person knows the game but doesn't know us, I think. I think that's probably the big difference. It probably hasn't played against us and what we do because... I would argue that there's options C, D, E, F other than those options that yeah. we just presented. There are alternatives. Um, I think the magic particularly is an odd comment because Caliborn's on foot. So yeah. if you're trying to make it to one of your board edges, you can go diagonally. So if he's yeah, in the exactly. center, he'll, he'll never get in range. No, no, no. no that, that's it. Um, if you give me the objective and you don't have it, you're in trouble in that scenario pretty yes. much. Like you've got to, you've got to match the opponent. You're going to get at least three points for that. Um, because you've, you're going to be holding the objective, you're almost guaranteed to get five points from it because you've got enough guys that I'm not going to be able to end the game fast enough. Yeah. So if you get five, if I break you without getting broken, I get three. Uh, so I'd have to have killed your leader to force yeah. a draw. And you're just not going to give me that. And, and also, I had slightly better shooting than you and more numbers. Yeah, so, so you're we... the one who's probably going to break me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So if you're up 3-0 off that, you've moved the objective, yeah. you're up 6-0. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think, given that my horde is slowly moving towards the middle, I think you have to do something dynamic. Because if, if you just ground me in the middle, you wouldn't have got through me. Like, I wouldn't have let you do that. No, um, I wouldn't have got round. That comes down to, again, against some people, I would have taken the risk and deployed in that choke point and hoped that the enemy yeah. ground me out. Because if the enemy changed their mind and went round, then I could see that and I could do what you did. I could split later. Yes. Yep. No, no, no. I, I actually played it reasonably conservative, all things yes. Um, all things given. But also, I gave that big bait open as well. A uh, very good battle report. This is from Purell. As a Lothlorien player myself, a very painful one to watch. Caliborn has magic, which was never used. He also is defense seven when given heavy armor and shield, which is worth it. The last thing was the banner being left in the open way from the, all the fights. Very mismatched in terms of player skill. Would be nice to see similar skill levels play players play each other uh well done and i'm excited for the next one there you go david get your skill up right i must must make a note of that <laughs> i love that one that was uh, that, that that was um i'm giggling because because um maybe it didn't show up on this one but we are very well matched and i, I actually think you're one of the better match players to me and I, I think i think i'm a good player and i think you're a good player but i actually think we match up pretty well and you get me uh, i don't know maybe i'm the vastly superior player because i beat you almost half the time Yes, um, I think the interview slightly to blame for that as well because Jacob's like, you got to talk up your game and I'm like, could I try and talk it down in a humorous way? And he's like, you can give it a shot. So oh, okay. I, I did talk down my game at the start. Yeah, so no, maybe no. he's like, oh, he doesn't get the Australian humor or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe and, and just doesn't know the person. But Jacob talked you up as well. He's like yes. giants of the scene. And yeah, yeah. yeah, you, like, yeah. You, he, he did tell me he, he, he cut out a lot of my comments talking myself down for humorous reasons because yeah. he's like, yeah, the, the audience won't understand this. Like some of these, are, uh, look, there has been massive mismatches in player skills. Like, like let's be honest, there has been some huge differences. Yes. Are we allowed to give away a secret? That yeah, the, um, can. Uh, the round draws are determined based on which days people can rock up. Yes. So... Um, Oh, yeah, we, the, we had we had the round of death, didn't we? Like like the 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 four people. It was we can reveal this now because it's been been gone. But it was you, me, Geordie, and who was the other person? Um, uh, who did I play first round? Paul. 
Yes. Paul was probably the most inexperienced, but he had probably the scariest Those list there. Those ends were terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ends are that level. And I'm surprised I got through that round, to be honest. Like that one, I don't really have the answers for on a consistent basis. And I talked about that in a previous episode. But that one, from looking at the players and the player skill level, I feel like we had the by far the more challenging players, full stop. Like maybe not army list, but definitely players. Yes. Um, Maybe I haven't actually... Well. I can't remember who was in the second, second batch. A whole uh, bunch right. of, Jacob and a whole bunch of rubbish here. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they're all terrible. No, I'm just joking. They're, they're, <laughs> they're okay players, but I do think like we had some some serious experienced players. Like We've been playing forever. Geordie's been playing for a long time. He's very good. Paul's picked it up very quickly. He, he started playing very early on and then had a big break and then came back, but he's a good study. He understands the game pretty well. Um, so there's lots of comments. He's got seven replies. I'll just go through them pretty quickly, then we'll just respond. So it's fun to just hear this chat. So um, you're maybe being a little too harsh. If Lothlorien didn't split up, they would risk being hemmed in and wouldn't be able to go after objectives leaders. I see what the elf player was going for. Just unfortunate for him, the dice weren't on his side. Jeremy is an incredible player. True strategy. I'm going, sorry, I'm going to read this one again. Yes. Jeremy is an incredible player, a true strategist. And the fact Lothlorien were able to hold out that long is fairly impressive. Then the response to that is, he did use magic, cast and mobilize. I'm also a Lothlorien player, and I think the main issue is army composition. Spamming guard of the Gladrum court like that at low points is a waste, as is taking Caliborn at low points. Should take Heldia, Rumel, a couple of guard, a couple of riders, and the rest regular warriors. Um, more response. I think this is from the original person now. Has come back. The original person has come back and is like, it's defending their honor. It was a friendly game, no worries. But he said at the start, eight tournament veterans. So I expected eight... Expected veteran level gameplay. Must have missed the spell casting. Sorry about that. Um, and then I, the uh, response to this. Yeah, I agree. The list could have been better. It is hard to play against large model count as well. But it is a tournament, so you have to build your versatile list that can go up against armies like that. Um, it might have <laughs> more responses. This is a new person. It might be or might not be a suboptimal list. But I think it was said here that they were trying to make armies that were fun and maybe a little different rather than going full competitive. The Eastling player took Amdu of Horse on purpose, and he is, as far as I know, a very experienced Eastling player, original person. As long as both players have fun, it's all good. I was under the impression that the players were playing competitive, hence the feedback. To my understanding, it is that some of the players are definitely pretty good. Example, the Gondor winning Articon doubles this year, but the list and army choices are more built to have a diverse and fun roster. Okay, David. Your response. Defend your honor. I think I agreed with some of those comments. I definitely did cast magic. It just didn't do a whole lot, but <laughs> I, I, I cast it. Um, <laughs> yeah, pa- cast better. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, agreed. It is hard to get pikes to work at such a small points mm, level. Mm, I agree with that. But, yeah. you know, the, they're pikes. They're cool. You, you want to take pikes. Um, but I yes, think there's it will one be a thing I, I disagree with in this one. I, I regularly take what I'd call suboptimal lists and play very competitively with them and often win with them. I think there's two different things. I think you can go for a cookie cutter, this is the flavor of the month, like the best stuff, or you can take an army, make it so that it gives you the opportunity, and then play as hard as you can with it. Agreed. Um, It's like I've had people sort of, they break it down into, are you a competitive gamer? Are you a theme gamer? Are you a story gamer? For me, they all tie in together. Mm. So I can't get really excited about the detail and the competition if I don't like the army I'm using and if I don't like how it's painted. I I have to engage across the board and then I'm ready to really sink my teeth into something. But like if I've borrowed an army or if I've just, there's nothing there to excite me, I don't really care about the army. If I don't care about the army, I don't care how well it's playing. And yeah, that's why I've never won a scenario with, Thorin's company because I just don't care about the dwarves. 
because I am entirely a theme player, a hundred percent theme. I don't think I've ever taken an army that didn't have a theme. I yes, don't think I've yes. ever taken anything because it's the optimal choice. But that said, mm-hmm. I take powerful lists yes. because theme doesn't mean they're weak lists by any yes. stretch of the imagination. And I play damn hard when it's at the table. So I'm probably the most win at all cost theme player ever. Yes, because thematically speaking, if you get a captain and say, right, the orcs are attacking, he's going to get the toughest guys he can and he's going to fight as hard as he can because he doesn't want to die. That's themed. Yeah, and I'll take things like Feral Urukai, which aren't optimal, but I'll play them in the most optimal way on the board. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's what you do. It's a difference between that as well. And and I like your list because it's a different Galadrum army. I agree that at 600, 650, it's suddenly you can see the power of it because it's got enough to do Once things. you can get Caliborn and Galadriel in yeah. a list, that, uh, that compel. The, the army sings when it can compel an enemy hero out, mob it with two-handed weapons at fight six. Mm. Um, it's just beautiful to behold. Um, but you need both Caliborn and Galadriel to pull that off. Um, and yeah, that's, that's hard to do because Galadriel's a lot of points for just to compel. Yeah. And look, this, this pure rail person, um, if that is your real name... I don't know. Are you a veteran player? Maybe, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Maybe you, maybe you are the veteran player in the world. I'm sorry we didn't live up to your expectations there, but I can, I can guarantee that we have... If the, veteran, if the definition of veteran has been playing since very early on and had played a lot of games and played consistently every week and have done a lot of events, I think we're probably veterans. What do you think? I don't know. Is veteran... A veteran of a tournament has gone to a tournament. That's, That's kind of what the definition. words mean. That's a Jacob definition. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Jacob's. Yeah. He he's got to get people he can film with. Yes. Um. So it, it's got to be people who are relatively local that can make a certain date. Uh, I think one of the events was on during a tournament and interstate one, yeah. so he got all the leftovers. Uh, but he's got some good players. I did actually offer to like bring alternate hats so I could <laughs> I could fill in as three or four players, but apparently no. Oh, that'd um, be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, the next one, um, I'm having trouble finding what size objectives are to be. Can someone please enlighten me, please? And then the, the response to this is, I don't think there's a set size stated anywhere. I think you can just use regular base size as a guide. Not entirely sure. I think it's kind of left up to the player's discretion. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, um, most most local tournaments will specify in the player's pack somewhere. 25 yeah. or 40 is common. Yep. Uh, we have seen up to 60 mil allowed at some. Uh, it's entirely the discretion of whoever's running it. Yeah, and... We were, uh, what were we use for this on forty? I think. No idea. I'd have to I check the video. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't, can't remember the video. We have both. So, so if we're using twenty fives. You've got a whole bunch of flags on twenty fives. If you're using forties, I've got a whole bunch of assorted detritus on forty mil bases, and yeah, it doesn't matter as long as it's the same on both sides, really. Yeah, we've got barrels. We've got statues. We've yeah. got we've got all sorts of yeah, things. It doesn't matter. It's it's just whatever. And we we like to. I don't like to play. You can pass through the objective. I think that's problematic. So we yes. usually play that it's it's impassable. Yeah, um, I prefer that. Um, in the newest version of the rules, you can even stop right on top of them. Which and so, weird. like, if you want to block someone off an objective, you can stand directly on top so of it. So you can put your, just... like, Gorgoth piece over the top of the objective and then, then no one can get it, which doesn't feel right yes. to me. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I, I like that it's impassable because I think it's yeah. I think it's important for gameplay that, that, that you defend yes. it. Yes. The only reason why I like being able to move through them is some of our... Like, at the start of a tournament, you'll set up your board of terrain and you'll have yep. narrow alleys. And then if you then allow people in domination to place down, you know, four objective markers, they'll block off entire parts of the board and then they'll complain that their board's unplayable because they just put an objective um, in the one place they're meant to move through. And and that's it. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation because, yes, you can get that and you can 
strategically use them to block off areas and create yeah. traps and weird stuff. Anyway, uh, the next comment is Elf Power, and it gives you an option to translate to English, which is nice. Um, is there any way we can see that Dale list? And Jacob's responded, he's got the league there. I think in his list he's given me two banners, which is very generous, but I've only got the one banner, unfortunately. Okay. Um, some of the army selection tools that people use are weird. Um, I've run tournaments in the past and people have sent in a warband with like 11 banner bearers yeah. and like one guy with spear and shield. And you're like, was that meant to be the other way around? They're like, uh, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, some of them are really disgustingly bad. Mm -hmm. uh, John loved it. Um, Klaus, uh, hello, in the Dale list, they have two banners, but I only see one. Yep. And I responded to that. No, there's only one. Um, where are these trees from? The trees are our old school games workshop. And oh, Jacob responded to that. That's nice. Um, what the difference was, I don't think it's still available now, but you used to get these trees and they had a, a sprue of leaves and no one ever put the leaves on. Because there was like three leaves per tree and yeah. it just looked stupid. It looked weird. It looked really sparse. But then I put a call out and said, anyone who's got the spare leaves, I want them and I will pay for them. So I got buckets of leaves and then just put as many leaves on as possible and they look amazing they look really good agreed so it's now really hard to get the leaves because there's people trying to collect large yeah. amounts of them yeah i think they did that in one of the white dwarf articles years ago or one of the supplements there was like some merkle trees and they did that and it just looked look spot on so i'm really happy with my trees and joel says yes and gets two likes for that one so that's all the comments for them i, I like these comments none of them are particularly mean um I especially like the ones that said that, that David's an inexperienced player and, and needs to level up. That was good. Again, it, you were definitely here first. Um, <laughs> so we've got a newish player in our group. They've only been playing like six years. And they're like, I'm not a new player anymore. And I'm like, were you there? And they're like, where? And I'm like, precisely. <laughs> so maybe I was not there. No, no, no that's, mm. it, that's it. That's it. What have you been playing for 16, 17 years or something like that, David? Not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, need yeah. some more years. Yeah, you need to be 18 to be veteran. Whatever it is, whatever David's years of playing, plus one, more. one. N plus, plus one. one, yeah, N plus one, yeah, love it. This has gone on much longer than I thought, David. But I have enjoyed having a chat about this game. It's funny that the uh, the chat goes for longer than the game. Indeed. <laughs> now the game actually went for went for over an hour. It was probably probably closing in on two hours, and we we did it all. Um, and that's partly was it. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Yeah, because Jacob usually puts two-hour slots for it, and I don't think we finished particularly early. I think we... Um, I think we started early, though, because maybe. Um, the Ents died rather rapidly or something like that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we probably used extra time by borrowing some yeah. from the round before. Yeah, that game was relatively quick, but it, it was. I don't think it was a particularly quick game overall. But they always go quicker in the editing because a you lot of strength three infantry slugging it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you just get the results for it. And I think Jacob does that well because I can't imagine sitting through two hours of that. That's that's pretty painful to to do that. I don't know if it's a spectator sport still. No, um, the commentary does help. Jacob does a very good job at turning a game into a spectacle. Yes, um, he's very skilled at it, and I'll be happy to go back again if he runs a mm. season three. Oh, there we go. David wants to be in season three. I'm going to win season two now, I think, because I've got Henry, who just won. Are you going for the hat trick then? Three oh, in a row. I guess so if he will have me back on, um, I'm trying to think of what army I could take because I want to take something sort of cool, but also unusual, but also. Give me a chance as well, because I don't want to just... So you've I, gone Dunland, you've gone Dale. Yeah. You need something else that starts with a D. D Dark denizens or... <laughs> Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Dead comma army of. <laughs> yes, yes, that could work. Um, Dark denizens might be fun. I was actually thinking Bay Awnings, but I think they've been used so much at tournaments now that they're a bit flavor of the monthy, so maybe not. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, thank you so much, David, for coming on. Well, thank you, and I believe traps do win games. Mm, they certainly do, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at The Green Dragon Podcast or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.